the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the London Free Press Podcast. Hope you're having a great week so far. Thank you once again for joining us. I'm your host, Lindsay Barnett, and I am joined once again by London Free Press reporter Jonathan Juha. Jonathan, how are you today? Not too bad on yourself. I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, This is a little bit different for you and I and our dynamic on the podcast. Normally when we talk, we're talking about rents in the city or the housing market. Yeah crazy hot real estate numbers. Um, We're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to do a bit of a recap first um, to a story that kind of originated back in 2013. Um, In Elgin County, there was a sexual assault against a woman. Things are just starting to kind of wrap up now. And the case, if you have been following over the past several years, is really interesting and a little bit sticky. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. So, uh, Jonathan, let's just do a bit of a recap first, dating back to 2013 and how we got to here. So the case, as you said, is happening in 2013. It's actually the fall of that year. Um, A woman was sexually assaulted at her home in Allegan County. And when she contacted police, both on her 911 call and uh, in a subsequent interview with investigators, she said that her attacker had been a black man, uh, likely from a, based on, on the man's accent from Jamaica. And she said that it was likely a migrant worker, uh, one of the many who worked uh, in farms in the area. So as part of their investigation, what the OPP decided to do was to do a DNA uh, sweep of all migrant workers that were closed, uh, like that were close to, to, to the house of the woman who was assaulted. And they got the DNA test as a way to find, you know, they were trying to compare the samples that they were getting with the sample for uh, a, a, what's called a sexual assault kit and trying to find the culprit because the victim obviously like uh, didn't know the man, did her best to provide a description to police about what the, the, the assailant looked like. So they were trying to find the person. Um, the OPP were pressed of, uh, for time. Uh, time was of the essence, they say, because the farming season was coming to an end. So that's why they decided to do this uh, DNA sweep, try to get uh, as many um, samples as they could. And indirectly, the sweep actually helped OPP in the end to solve the case. Uh, they focused their attention on one of the uh, migrant workers um, who did not actually provide a, a sample and they were able to get his DNA by uh, getting it out of a, a cigarette butt and then compare it to the uh, sexual assault kit and they found with the man, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Henry Cooper. Uh, he would later plead guilty to sexual assault and he was sentenced to seven years. That's sort of like the initial part of the investigation, right? But um, years pass and then now um, some of the migrant workers have sued uh, the OPP in a class action lawsuit uh, for violation of their human rights, uh, saying that the way that the OPP conducted their, their investigation was uh, uh, based on, on race. It was uh, uh, racial profiling, what they did. And, and they based their claim that they only targeted people who were black and brown and, and, and were migrant workers. And even they did that to workers who did not exactly match 
the uh, description that the victim had given police about who the assailant had been. So they say that the way that they conducted the, the, the investigation violated their rights. And that's what's happening right now. The case uh, recently had in November, um, you know, the, the hearing in front of the uh, Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario and closing arguments happened on Tuesday. You did a wonderful job of summarizing what's been going on since 2013, because this is a long process. I want to get in a little bit to some of the nitty gritty and as to why this case is so fascinating. So the victim described the suspect, her attacker, as black, five foot ten to six feet tall. OPP investigators then collected DNA samples from a wide range of workers, as you mentioned. They ranged from five foot two to six foot six. Uh, in age 22 to 68. Investigators were trying to compare DNA samples, as you mentioned. Now, there's been a lot of backlash and pushback as to why such a wide net was cast with regards to samples when they did have such a detailed description of the suspect. Um, OPP have said that, you know, when you're in distress and being attacked, you're not always thinking clearly. So they wanted to kind of open things up a little bit um, to to make sure, like you said, time was of the essence to make sure that they had as much DNA as possible. Now, a retired OPP detective also said that if it wasn't for this process and casting such a wide net, they very well may not have made an arrest. There's another interesting piece of this, which you said only black and brown people were targeted um, and anywhere else. People are saying anywhere else had this happened anywhere but Elgin County, this would not have been a thing. And this to a T is the definition of racism, according to the lawyer for these migrant workers. Um, it's, it's very interesting. So how many people so far, how many of the workers are involved in this human rights hearing? So there were about 96 uh, workers who actually provided a sample. Uh, they also argued that they did it, you know, they felt pressured to do it, not exactly by police, but they felt that as because of their condition of migrant workers, if they refused to do it, uh, maybe their employers would not bring them back the next season. Um, so that was part of the uh, also um, of, of, of their argument in, into what happened. But the OPP is saying that uh, race was not a motivating factor just to target the migrant workers, that that description actually came from the victim itself. And it, it was what initially guided them to sort of like narrow their own search for the suspect, right? Uh, the lawyer for the OPP on Tuesday was saying how in many cases, it has been shown that sometimes the descriptions of, of witnesses can be unreliable. And in this case, the person who was providing the account or the description of the attacker uh, obviously suffered trauma. Uh, it was a, it was an, an attack when the, he said that that day that person had consumed some alcohol. Um, at one point, the woman was blindfolded. Um, the attacker had a hoodie that covered uh, a portion of his face. Uh, so while they felt confident in the general description of a migrant worker was the attacker, they were not so certain about the specifics uh, that the victim had provided to them. So that's why they decided to sort of like create that wide uh, net and try to get as many DNA samples. That's sort of like the argument, obviously, that the OPP is making. Um, but at the heart of the matter is 
many people would agree, as you say, that uh, if these were, let's say, why people would police have a, had approached it the same way, some people would say no. But the OPP are also saying that through this process is how by identifying someone who had not provided a sample voluntarily, it allowed them to center their attention on those people or in the, finally the person who was the culprit. And that way solve a, a very violent crime. So you can see how, I don't know, I guess at the heart of the matter, some people would see it as did the ends justify the means or is it a matter of regardless of the objective that you're trying to accomplish, you cannot, uh, that does not give police sort of like a, a permission to sort of like violate uh, people's rights. Also, you know, the, the lawyer representing the, 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 the farmer workers, uh, he says how their condition again as, as immigrants who do not have a stable uh, uh, status in the country because they're part of a seasonal program, meaning that they come here they do their job for eight, nine months, and they, they go back to their country and they're attached to a simple worker, made it easier for police to simply decide, you know what, this is, uh, this is easier to do it and this is how we're going to do it. So you, it's, it's a balance of whether you think that the actions of police were inherently um, motivated or biased uh, because of race, or was it a necessary mean to solve a crime? Yeah, this is really a fascinating and sticky situation, for lack of a better term. Um, the London Free Press spoke to a guy named Logan Leon, who is a native of Jamaica back in November. And he is part of the 54 migrant workers who are involved in this class action lawsuit against the province. Um, he testified day one. And to your point, you had mentioned a lot of them felt like they had to. Now, he is on video recording with his testimony saying that he understands he is giving his DNA of his own free will. But like you said, a lot of these migrant workers were fearful that they wouldn't be allowed to come back to Canada. This would affect their jobs. Again, time is of the essence. So 54 migrant workers at $30,000. My quick math is about $1.6 million on the line. Mm -hmm. um, closing hearing was on Tuesday of this week. When do we expect a decision? And I guess who's going to be on the hook? The taxpayers, if they win? Well, uh, the decision actually could take several months. Um, the the uh, the person presiding over the hearing said that it could take up to six months that she was uh, looking to have a decision um, sooner. But obviously, this is a very, as you said, a very complicated case. We'll see what what, what the determination is. And obviously, uh, I would imagine that it would be the OPP who would have to you know, pay and then by extension, you know, taxpayers pay for this. There's also the component that is not just um, the money uh, retribution that the, the workers are seeking. Uh, if uh, the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario uh, ends up determining that there was a violation of, of, of human rights uh, for these workers, then there will be another hearing where they're gonna be discussing sort of like non-monetary issues and things like ways to prevent something like this from happening again. So it's still, uh, as you say, a very sticky case. It'll still take some time for a decision to come, but it doesn't even end there. Then there's the potential of you know, appeals and things like that, but also, how do we frame this situation so it doesn't happen uh, in the future? This case is definitely something that is going to set a precedence in the future moving forward, no matter what decision the judge comes to. Um, 
if anybody listening wants to read up more and kind of the process, because I know this has been a bit of a long process with the courts, it typically is. All of these stories are archived on the London Free Press website at lfpress.com. So you can go check them out there so you have a better understanding, more in depth of what Jonathan and I have been chatting about today. Jonathan, I want to thank you for your time today. I know, like I said, at the start of this podcast, this is not something we normally talk about, but you did a fantastic job. I really appreciate your time today. And uh, I guess I look forward to chatting with you when we get some resolution one way or another. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. We'll be back again next week with another edition of the LF Press Podcast. We are streaming on all major platforms. Don't forget, you can always hit subscribe, get a notification as soon as they are uploaded Thursday mornings. We'll be back with another story next week. Until then, stay well. Stay well.